Bless the Lord. Isn't God good? Oh, man, you're good. So good, Father. It's good to see everybody here this morning. Good to see Judy and her family. When you walked in, I was thinking of Larry and him preaching on a tomato biscuit. <laughs> Larry used to teach me with, uh, I was in teenagers class. That was, uh, just a couple of years ago. But anyway, good to see everybody. Now the title of today's sermon, this morning's sermon is going to be called The Little Green Wagon. It's in the Bible. Well, not really. It will be after you were done. The Little Green Wagon. <laughs> if you would turn to John 14. You know where it's at, John? John 14, verse 4. That's in the New Testament, if those of you don't know. And this is Jesus speaking to his disciples. He's saying, telling them something. Um, verse 4. And whither I go, ye know, and the way you know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest. How can we know the way? Excuse me for a minute, sorry. Jesus had just told John, or not John, he had just told all his disciples that they knew where he was going and that they knew the way to get there. Now, if I told you we're going to Princeton, most of you know, you go down here and you take a left, you're going to Princeton. But Jesus told his disciples, well, previously before that, he said he was going to the Father. He said, where I'm going, you know, and the way you know. Well, Thomas looks at him and says, Jesus, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? In fact, he didn't just say, Jesus. he said, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Now, if you're calling somebody Lord, that means you're, they're your Lord. That means they know what they're talking about. But Thomas actually just accused Jesus of not knowing what he was talking about. He said, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? But Jesus had an answer for him. Well, let me tell you a story first. This is what's commonly known as a parable. There was this boy and his dad. Now, this boy and his dad, the boy was about 12, 13, somewhere in that age. And his dad said one to him one day, son, we're going to go on a camping trip. And the boy thought, wow, this will be great. We get to go camping. So he went out to the car. They loaded up their tent, their sleeping bags, their water purification pills. They loaded up a gun. They loaded up their sleeping bag. Oh, I said the sleeping bags. They loaded up some water. They loaded some MREs. They took everything they needed to camp for a couple weeks. So they get in the car, and the dad drives to the airport. And the son looks at the dad and says, we're going to camp at the airport, dad? He said, no, son, i got a plan. You just keep your eye on me. I know the way. So his dad leads him out to the helipad. He said, load all that stuff and that backpack in the back of that helicopter. So they load all the camping stuff, the canteens, the pots, the pans, the MREs, the lights, the fire starter, the gun, everything into the helicopter. So the boy and the dad gets in the helicopter, and the helicopter takes off. That's a helicopter. And they fly up, and they go way up above the clouds. And the boy says, this is great. This is the only way to camp. And they fly up to the top of this mountain, way up almost above the clouds. 
And the helicopter starts to sit down. There's dust blowing everywhere. And trees are blowing. And the helicopter sits down. So the dad says, all right, son, we can get out now. So they pile out of the helicopter. They get out all their camping gear. They get everything out there. Then the helicopter takes back off. And the boy holds on to his hat, and it's blowing and messing up his hair, and it's blowing dirt everywhere, and he's squinting his eyes. And the helicopter takes off. Flies up in the air. And the boy finally rubs the dust out of his eye. And the dad says, all right, son, we're going to set up camp right over there. So the boy and the dad go over there, and they set up camp. They set up a tent. He said, get us a couple stones. And he said, now, son, when we're camping on this trip, it could be dangerous. So I want you to keep your eyes on me and follow me. I know the way we're going. Keep your eyes on the father. So father says, okay, you get us some stones. So they get some stones and they put them all in a circle. So get us some sticks. They get us some sticks, you know, and they get the fire starter down there. And they go, they finally start them a fire. And they build them a fire there. And they roast them some, he says, go cut us some sticks. And the boy goes, takes his knife, and he cuts him some Y-shaped sticks. And they, they roast a couple weenies, you know. And then after they eat all the hot dogs they can eat, then they make them some s'mores. They roast some marshmallows. They didn't eat any salamanders, Rick. But anyway, they, they roasted some marshmallows. And Rick used to eat salamanders when we were uh, on the, what was that called? Ambassadors for Christ. Royal Rangers, yeah. He always wanted to eat bugs and salamanders and lizards. But anyway, they make a, a s'mores and they, they, they take and they melt the chocolate over top of the, over the marshmallow. They put a graham cracker in it, and man, it was the best s'mores that that boy had ever had. He said, Dad, this is great. He said, okay, son, time to get to bed. we got to get up early, early, early in the morning. So the dad and the boy, they all crawl in the tent, you know. They get down in their sleeping bag, and they go to sleep. And the boy says, this is fun. This is the only way to camp. Bring a helicopter up to the top of the mountain. Wow, this is really cool. Pretty soon they're asleep. Everything's quiet. And you can hear the crickets outside. Hang on a minute. Oh, well, you can't hear the crickets outside. You hear the, the birds are all asleep. So they, they get in there and they go to sleep. And the next morning, the dad gets up early, early before the sun's coming up. And everything's dark. And the dad gets up and he peeks out over the horizon. And the sun's just barely starting to shoot one or two rays over top of the mountain on the other side. And he goes in there and he wakes the boy up. He says, boy, get out. Come on. I want to show you something. The boy gets up and he rubs a couple sleepers out of his eyes, you know. Dad, what time is it? It's early, early. So he says, come here, look at this. So the dad and the boy, they get out. He says, look across there. And the boy squints his eyes. And there, just above the fog line where the fog had all settled down around the top of a mountain, he could see the peak of a mountain sticking up. And he said, wow, that's pretty cool, Dad. Dad says, son, watch where you're going. The dad says, son, we're going to go to that mountain and camp tomorrow. And the son says, wow, that'll be great, dad. He says, okay. So he said, no, we're going to that mountain. We're going to go over there and we're going to camp next time. The, dad, the boy says, that's, that's great, Dad. We're going to have as much fun as we did on this mountaintop. He said, we sure are. He said, pack up all your gear. So he packed up all the gear. He packed up the canteen, the fire starter, the gun, the sleeping bags, the tent, uh, the water purification tablets, everything else he needed. Got on this big backpack. And the Dad put on a big backpack, and they got all that stuff ready to go. And the, the son, he says, all right, Dad, are we going there now? He said, yep. He said, 
The son looks at the dad and says, where's the helicopter? And the, boy, the dad says, helicopter? He said, yeah, dad, that's how we got on this mountain. Where's the helicopter takes over to that mountain? And the dad says, oh, I've got a better plan. And his son's thinking, wow, what could be better than a helicopter? Are they going to slingshot us across there? We're going to go by, I bet he's got a transporter beam like Star Trek. Dad says, I got a better plan. He says, come over here, son. And they go over to the edge of the mountain. And he looks down, and there's this little tiny winding path. And it looks like almost straight down a cliff. And the boy says, that looks dangerous, Dad. The father says, we're going this way. And the boy looks down at the path. He looks way down the bottom. He can't hardly see for the fall, but it looks like there's a river way down at the bottom, like looking in the Grand Canyon or something. And he looks up the other side, and you can almost see the mountaintop, you know, and the sun's starting to come out now. And the dad says, okay, you ready, son? He said, well, I'd rather take the helicopter. The dad says, keep your eyes on me, son. Follow me. I know the way. So the boy follows the dad, and the dad starts over the hill, and he, he cuts them both a stick, and he starts down over this steep cliff. And right after you get first start down the mountain, there's a big bunch of loose rock on this right side, and the path goes around this way. And it's a little tiny path, and he said, now, son, Watch me, you step where I step, because this could be dangerous. And you know what's going to happen. The boy is following the dad, and he's watching, he's stepping in that step. It's like following your dad when he walks in the snow, you know, and you step in this step, and step in that step. And the boy is following the dad, watching the dad where he's going. He's keeping his eye on the dad. He's doing really good. But then, as they're going down the hill, they go by this little bush, and all of a sudden, <laughs> Here comes the grouse, comes, pops up out of the bush, and the boy goes, ah! It distracts him, you know, so he gets his eye off the father for a minute. And then he looks over, and to the left, there's this shiny rock, and he said, wow, that looks like gold. He said, man, I could be rich, I wonder if that's really gold. And, the, and then he, he gets his eye back on the father, and he's watching the father, and you are not gonna believe what happens next. The boy looks over, and going up the other side of the other trail, coming up the same mountain they're going down, there's a pretty little girl. And the boy looks over. And what do you think he's looking at? He's looking at the girl. And he's looking at the goal. And he's watching out for grass. And pretty soon, he's walking. And he gets his eye like uh, Pastor and Sarah taught Wednesday night. Wherever you stare is where you steer. So he's staring to the left. So he's starting to bear to the left. And he gets his foot caught under a stone. And it trips him up. And he falls a little bit. And then he... he Overcorrects and steps to the right, and he steps in loose stone, and his feet give out from under him, and he goes head first down over the hill, and this cliff is steep, and it looks like it ends on a big rock, and down into a gully. The boy is about to die, and he's sliding down, and he's getting all cut up, and his face is cut up because he's face planted, and he said, Dad! And about the time he slides by his dad, his dad reaches out and grabs him by the ankle, and pulls him back on the path. He said, Son, I told you to watch me and go where I walk. Step where I step. I know the way. The son said, I'm sorry, Dad. And you know, sometimes in your life, you're going to be doing your best to watch the Father. You're going to be doing your best to stay in the path, to go the way the Father's going, and you are going to blow it. You're going to face plant. It's going to tear you up. And you're going to have scars in your life that's going to be with you for the rest of your life. You're going to have scars on your face and on your hands and on your feet. 
And every one of those scars are going to remind you the time that you got your eyes off of the Father and you face planted and you could have died, but Father saved you. So the boy goes and he starts to watch his dad more careful then because he knows what could happen. He watches the dad and the dad goes on down. They get down and this, this camping trip takes weeks. They'll camp overnight and then they'll travel a day or two. Then they'll camp and they'll travel and they'll camp and they'll travel. They finally get to the bottom of the gorge and down at the bottom of the gorge, they're almost to the bottom and there's a river that runs through the middle of the gorge and it's a pretty good sized river and he looks down there and the boy and the dad looks at the boy and he says, son, now, you're going to have to be careful here. There's a little path that goes around the side. If you fall in that water, you could drown. Well, the boy is really keeping his eyes on the dad because he's got scars. He knows what's going to happen if he gets his eyes off the father, if he steps in the wrong place. So the boy is following the father, and the path winds down and comes right up over a little knoll. Right beside it is a cliff, and down below it is white water, water that's swirling around, around the rocks, and it looks pretty deep. And it looks pretty dangerous, and they're carrying these big backpacks. He said, now, son, watch me. But it just so happens he looks, and over the mountain, every now and then there's a tree growing out of the side of the rock of the cliff. So the boy's watching the dad, and he's making sure he's stepping where the dad steps. And he steps, and he slips off the edge of the rock, and over the side he goes. But the boy falls, and as he falls, his father's in front of him, and the path goes like this, curves, and then down. And the father looks back when the boy, he's hanging on. He fell, but he grabs a hold of the dirt on the side, and he's hanging on for dear life, and he starts hollering, Dad, help me, Dad! And he looks, and his father turns and looks at him. And then his father turns and takes off running away from him. And the boy's hanging on. He's saying, Father, come back, Dad. I'm going to die. And he sees the, the ground is crumbling underneath his finger. And he slips off, and pretty soon one hand is gone. And he's hanging on by one hand. And the backpack is pulling him. He said, Dad, help. I can't hang on, Dad. Help. And about that time, his other hand, the ground gives way and he falls. And he thinks he's going to fall to his death. And he falls over the tree limb. And he grabs a hold of the tree limb. And he's hanging on for dear life again. He's saying, Dad, help me, Dad. His dad's nowhere to be seen. And he said, I thought I was watching for the father. And he's looking in the direction of the father, but he doesn't see the father. He holds on as long as he can. And finally, one hand slips off. He's hanging by one hand. He said, Dad, I can't hang on any farther. One finger. Three fingers. He falls. He hits in the water. He goes under the water. He tries to take a gulp of air. He goes under the water, and he's battling for all he's worth. He's kicking his feet, and he's pulling his hand. And that backpack is so heavy that it's weighting him down, and his head's sticking like this. And he gets up, and his head pops up out of the water. And he takes a breath, and back into the water he goes, and he's fighting for his life. He knows he's going to drown any minute because he's under the water, and he can't get out, and he fights till there's nothing left in him. And he's struggling. He said, Dad, where did you go? And just about the time when his strength is almost gone, his eyes are starting to close, and he can't hold his air any longer. His lungs are starting to burn, and he needs a breath of air. He goes, and the last bubble comes out of his mouth. Something grabs him by the backpack, jerks him up out of the water. And he goes, (laughs) and he's still paddling with his arms when it pulls him out of the water. And he's looking around to see what it was. It was Dad. Had him by the backpack. And he sets him down. He says, you all right? He carries him over out of the big, out of the swirl of the pool of the water. He sets him on a rock. He says, are you all right, son? 
He said, yeah, Dad, I'm all right. He said, Dad, where did you go? You told me to keep my eyes on you. I had my eyes on you and you left me. You disappeared when I was waiting on you, when I was counting on you, when I needed you to rescue me, Dad. Where was you? Sometimes in your life, you're going to get to the point. You're going to say, where's the father at? I thought I was watching him. I thought I was following him. I had my eye on him, but I fell. Why didn't you save me, God? The dad told the son, son, you don't understand. I love you. He said, when you were hanging on to that edge of the bank, I knew if I come over there and tried to grab you, that that bank was going to give away before I could ever get to you. But I've been this way before. I told you, I know the way. He said, I knew that this path went down to the creek, and that's where we're going to cross at. And he said, I knew that if I came around that way, I could get you out of the water before you drowned. But if I come to save you, you'd drown before I could get all the way down there. And sometimes in your Christian life, it's going to feel like, in fact, it's going to feel like God is downright cruel. You ever feel that way? You ever feel like Jesus, he's on the cross and he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Sometimes it feels that way. Here's what you do when you're forsaken, when you can't see the Father, and you don't know what's going on. What did Jesus say? Into your hands I commend my spirit. What did Job say? Though he slay me, yet will I serve him. See, the Father's plans for us are good. It doesn't look like it to us all the time. They preached my sermon in life group this morning, but our lives don't always look like God is taking care of, but he is. He turns every curse into a blessing. What Satan means for evil, God means for good. So the boy and the dad... The boy starts to understand, well, yeah, I see what you're saying there. He said, okay, son, you ready? He said, yeah, where are we going now? And the boy is learning to keep his eyes on the father. Next, they're going up this cliff. And this cliff, is, it looks like a vertical straight-up cliff for a couple hundred feet and just has one little crack up the middle. And the father says, follow me, son, and do what I do. So the son has learned to keep his eyes on the father because the father knows the way God Yeah, God the Father knows the way too. But the dad knows the way because he had been that way many times before. He knew exactly where to put his foot. And the boy watched, and where the dad put his foot, he would put his foot. Where the dad would put his hand, he would put his hand. And they made it all the way to the top of the cliff. And they made it all the way to the top of the mountain on the other side. And they get up to the top of the mountain. And the boy looks back and he says, man, what a trip. I almost died two or three times. He said, Dad, I got one question for you. Dad says, okay, son, go ahead, shoot. Why do we take the helicopter? Why do we have to go through all of this? Why do we have to go? I could almost die. You could have died. Dad, we could all die. They may not have found us for a year. Why couldn't we take the helicopter? The dad don't even look at the son. He pulls out his canteen and he throws it over his shoulder. And the boy has gotten use and gotten the habit of watching the father. So he grabs the canteen. His reflexes are good. His muscles are good. It didn't hurt his hands because his hands got tough from climbing. And the, boy, the dad says, go over there and get us some water out of that waterfall right down there. And the boy looks over there, and there's a little tiny path around the side of a cliff. And dad sends him over there to get some water. 
And the boy takes the canteen, he goes over there and he shimmies around the rock. And he gets the water and he brings it back and said, Okay, Dad, I got the water. He said, Son, weren't you afraid when you got that water? The boy said, Dad, why would I be afraid to go get that water? Did you see what I just came through? He said, we went all the way down there, and if, if I could survive that, I could surely go get the water. And the boy began to understand the reason they didn't get the helicopter. The boy had become strong. The boy had become confident. The boy had learned to watch the father. The boy had become tough. The boy had learned to trust the father even when he didn't know what the father was doing or where the father was taking him because the father knew the way. Dad knows the way. We don't know the way. Just like Thomas said to Jesus, Jesus, how can we know the way if we don't even know where you're going? You know what Jesus told him? Well, here's what God told me. He said, Nathan, you don't have to know the way. You just have to know the way. You don't have to know the way. You just have to know the way. I said, well, that makes a lot of sense. He says, you don't have to know the way, small t, small w. You just have to know the way, capital T, capital W. Do you know who the way is? Verse 5. Verse <laughs> 6. Jesus said unto him, I am the way. Capital T, capital W, it's a title. The way. Now, he didn't capitalize in there, but Jesus Christ is the way. Now, if I was wanting you to go from here to Princeton, and you'd never been there before, in fact, if I said, I need you to go like um, God did Abraham, I need you to start traveling. Okay, how will I know when I get there? You'll know, because you know the way, and you know where you're going. Where you're going is to the Father. Always. How you get there, if you don't know the way to get somewhere, what do you do? You find somebody that's been that You hire a guide. You find somebody that's been that way a thousand times. Jesus said, I am the way. You don't have to know the way, Thomas. You just have to know the way. You have to know Jesus. And Jesus is the way because he's been there and he knows where he's going. We don't have to know the way to our lives. You don't know the way to your healing. You don't know the way to your financial success. You don't know the way to your marriage being healed. You don't know the way to your salvation. We don't always know the way to get the answer to our prayers where our prayers are being answered yes. Because God doesn't always answer our prayers yes. We don't know the way to get there, but we do know the way. We know Jesus, and He is the way. And He knows exactly what we need at every moment of every time. We just trust Him even if it's like Jesus said on the cross. Even the My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I went to India one time. It's on a mission trip. We don't always know the way. We get to India, and there's, they take us up on um, one one night. We stayed there for, I think, a couple weeks, maybe 10 days, nine days. We get up on the, and they take us to the top of this hotel. And the people in this hotel want us to pray for them. Now, this hotel had a big elephant in a pool of water with a bunch of rose petals or something like that. They worship false gods. But the people that worked there, they wanted us to pray for them. So me and some other Christians, we were up on the top of this hotel. And Olu's my buddy, so we were the prayer team that was praying for people. And there was other teams who was praying for different people. 
This one guy comes by and he was so distraught. He said to pray for his wife that she had had severe stomach pains for weeks. And they didn't know what was wrong with her and they couldn't do anything for her. And he was just distraught about it. So Olu and I, we prayed for the prayer of faith. We prayed that God would heal her. The next day, you know, we prayed for other people too. The next day, we go to the top of the hotel. He wants to pray again because the presence of God was there. You could, you know, sometimes you can even feel God's presence. It's great. You know he's always there, but sometimes he manifests. And he was there, and people were being healed. So we prayed for this, and the guy comes the next day. And I'm, and he's like crying, and I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, what happened? Did she die? You know? And she, he comes up to us, and the man falls down at my feet like this. And he just starts weeping. Oh, my gosh. And he starts saying, and there's, and the interpreter saying, he's thanking you. And me and Olu look down and I'm thinking, you can't be bowing at my feet. So I grab him by one arm and Olu see what I'm doing. He grabs the other arm and we pick the guy up. We physically pick him up and his legs are still doubled up under him and he won't straighten out his legs. So finally we get him up so far and he puts his legs out and he straightens his legs out. And I was saying, you can't be bowing down before us. And as soon as his feet touch the ground, down he went again, just like that. So Olu and myself, we didn't know what to do. So I just bowed down there with him. I said, you know, bowed at my feet. We're bowed at the feet of Jesus. And he was thinking that he was so grateful because his wife had been instantly healed. There was no pain. She went back to doing what she needed to do for her family and her job. And she was instantly healed. And he was so grateful. And he fell on his knees and he was just weeping with tears of joy. Because God did a miraculous thing and healed her. Sometimes God does that. But then in a couple days, we went to a leper colony. I don't know if you've ever seen a leper before, but it'll tear your heart out. I've never seen nothing like it. They just told us when you pray for people, don't touch an open wound. So we went to a leper colony. We laid our hands on lepers and prayed for lepers. And God didn't heal none of them. They were, it was the same prayers for the same people, the same faith. But God healed that lady, but he didn't heal those lepers. And this woman, but there was a healing took place. There was a healing took place. There was a little leper man there. He looked like he was dressed in rags. His legs looked like two sticks. They were folded up under him, kind of like. And he was sitting in this little green wagon. Looks like you had made it out of scraps out of a trash dump. And this man couldn't, he was in this wagon. He had one tooth on this side right here on the top. One tooth. He was dressed in rags. His arms looked like a bone with skin stretched over it. His face was all gaunt. I thought, how could this man even be alive? And he wanted us to pray for him. Well, we prayed for him. Then we were singing worship songs. We started singing, Jesus loves me. That man, didn't have any hands. He had two nubs. His fingers had all been eaten off by leprosy. He had like half of one finger on one hand. When we started sinking, Jesus loves me. You know what that little man did? His head went up. His mouth opened up. He smiled the biggest smile. He put those two nubs that he had up in the air, and he starts clapping and saying, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, my Lord. If that man could worship God, how could I ever complain? 
And he worshiped the God and he said, Jesus, Jesus. And the healing that took place that day was not in that little leper man. The healing took place was in Nathan Morris. I said, oh my God, let me always worship you and serve you and glorify you, God, because my whole life has been a helicopter ride and that man has been, his life has been hell. He's been riding around in a little green wagon while I get to ride around in a helicopter. Oh God, help me to have the right attitude and to love people and to worship you like he does. He didn't have any trouble worshiping. Sometimes you get to ride in a helicopter. Sometimes somebody has to pull you around in a little green wagon. But you don't get to choose. You get to ask, seek, and knock. You keep asking till your prayer is answered. You keep seeking until you can't look anywhere else. You keep asking, you keep knocking till the door is open. That's what God said to do. To cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. And to cast all your burdens on him for he will sustain you. He said to bring everything to him. Because he's touched with the feeling of our infirmities. And God said to keep praying, keep praying, keep praying. Don't give up. Don't stop. Don't back up. Don't hold up. Don't fold up. Don't do anything until your time is up and then you go up. You don't stop. And when we get to heaven, the Bible says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ really raised from the dead, you will be saved. So if there's anybody here that doesn't know the Lord, All you have to do is say, I confess you as the Lord Jesus Christ. And I really believe you rose from the dead. And Jesus will save you. And if you've been going having physical trouble and you can't get a healing, don't quit. If your finances are still under attack, don't quit. Don't stop. If you haven't got your prayer answered yet, if you haven't got it answered yes, don't stop. Don't quit. Remember the little man in the green wagon. You may be in a helicopter. Usually the way our lives go, some days we ride in a helicopter. Some days we ride in little green wagons. When we get to heaven, if we have confessed and believed, when we get to heaven, if I go first, we're up there greeting each other when you come in. I'm getting ready to give you a high five. And when we're about the time you get ready to give me a high five, we say, praise the Lord, we made it. What was that? And, I, and you go ahead and try to a second time to give me a high five. Something almost knocks you down. You say, what was that? I said, just a minute. I'm going to take care of this. You go, oh, took care of that. You go to give me the third time a high five. And I say, stop! And about the time, This guy stops in front of you. And he's got the most beautiful legs you've ever seen. (laughs) And they are strong. And he's standing there. He's doing like this. You know who he is? You know who he is? He's that little leopard man that was in that green wagon. His legs aren't weak anymore. And his hands are raising. He's clapping to Jesus. But he's got ten fingers. And every finger is perfect. And he's clapping and he's saying, Jesus! And he smiles. And you know how many teeth he's got? Every one of them is perfect. And his number, they may be gold. I don't know. But he has every one is perfect. And he's got the most beautiful smile. And he's full of weight. And his muscles are strong. And his bones aren't sticking out of his skin. And he's jumping up and down. And he's saying, hey! And I said, man... 
You're the man that was in the little green wagon. He said, yeah, I am. But he said, I ain't got time to talk to you. I've only been up here for about 60 years, and I'm just getting these legs warmed up, and I'm trying them out, and we won't walk, he takes again. And another, he said, I've done run about a thousand laps around heaven. i got about a thousand more to go. And he's praising the Lord, and he's saying, Jesus, and he's blessing the Lord because God has been good to him. Even in his life, when he was living in a green wagon, Jesus, or it's more like this, Jesus, now tell me, what keeps us from worshiping the Father? None of us have an excuse. You keep working. You keep fighting. You keep praying. You keep asking. You keep seeking. You keep knocking. God will answer your prayers, but your prayers may not be answered till you get to heaven. We don't know. He said to keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking, but to keep your eyes on the Father. Because the Father knows the way. Jesus knows the way because he's been there before. I am the way. You don't have to know the way to get where you're going. You just have to know the way. The guy who knows to get where you're going. Jesus Christ. So don't let your faith be shaken. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you may be also. And guess who else is going to be there? There's going to be a little man. And there might even be a green wagon in heaven just to remind us how good God has been to us. And how he has blessed us. And how he has kept us. And how he has prospered us. And how he has healed us. And how he has supplied for us. And how he has taken care of our every need according to his riches and glory. That's what God wants for you. The Father loves you so much. He loves you. He knows you're going to fall and mess up. That's why he made provision at the beginning of the world. It said Jesus was slain from the foundation of the world for our sins. God already made provision for everything we would ever do. And you may get your answer here on earth, or you may not get it till you get to heaven. But even if you're riding in a little green wagon, remember this. While you're going through the stuff you're going through in this life. While you're holding fast and it seems like nothing's working. When you prayed and prayed and it seems like the answer doesn't come. Somebody's watching your life. And the little leper man in the green wagon may not get healed till you get to heaven. But Nathan got healed. And you don't know who's watching your life. You didn't know that I was going to bring a little leper man all the way from India a thousand miles away this morning. He came to see us this morning, and he didn't even know that he touched your life. But he'll know when he gets to heaven. And there's going to be people in your life you're going to touch their life, and you won't even know it. You'll have said something or done something or loved on them, or they'll see you standing faithful when everything's gone against you, and you still keep your faith in the Lord. Like Job said, though he slay me still, I will serve him. And somebody's going to see your life. And they're going to be strengthened. And they're going to be healed just like the little leper man in the green scrap wagon. So I don't know who's watching your life. You don't know who's watching your life. You all know till you get to heaven. But the thing is, we have to stay faithful. We have to keep asking. We have to keep seeking. We have to keep knocking. 
God has a great plan for every one of us. Every single one of us. The Father loves us so much that He gave His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, to pay the penalty so that that little leper man could be healed when he got to heaven. To pay the penalty so that Nathan's sins could be all washed away by the blood of the Lamb. Every sin I will ever commit, it's already paid for if I will ask God to forgiveness. Already. Already paid for. What kind of God does that? That pays for your sins ahead of time just so when you ask, it'll be ready to be wiped from your record. And when he opens up the books, he'll see the blood of Jesus. He won't see my sin. He won't see the time I face planted and almost destroyed myself. He won't see the time I took my eyes off the Father and almost drowned. He won't see the times you wasted, the times you messed up, the times you caused destruction. Because we all have. But he'll see the blood of Jesus Christ. (laughs) Bless your name, Father. Bless the Father. Bless your name, Father. You're worthy, God. You're worthy, God. You're worthy, God. If there's anybody here that has a need, if you've got a financial need, if you need to be salvation, if you've been praying for a mate, if you've got sickness in your body, if you need a financial miracle, just say, everybody stand up if you would. Let's go to the Father. The Father has made provision. He said to ask, and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. We're going to ask and seek and knock until we get it. Even if we have to keep asking when we get to heaven, till we get to heaven. If we ask to ask till then, remember the little man in the green wagon. Father, we thank you for loving us so much. I thank you for bringing this people here, God. I thank you for bringing us together. You're the good Father. Oh, God, adjust their eyes. Tear our eyes will be on you. That we'll watch Dad. We'll What's the Father God? And we'll take the steps that you step. Lord, we come to you and we ask and we keep asking. We seek and we keep seeking. We knock and we keep knocking, Lord. These prayers, these requests, we bring our petitions boldly before your throne. Boldly into the throne room because we're covered in the blood of Jesus Christ and the righteousness of Jesus Christ, God. And you answer our prayers because you love us, God. And your plans for us are good and not evil. For a hope and a future and an expected end. God has good plans for you. God has good plans for you. We bless you, Father. We praise you, God. You are worthy, Lord. You are worthy, God. You are worthy, God. Call out your need to the Father. The Father will supply. Oh, God, we need you. We need healing in our bodies, God. I need my foot to be healed. Lord, I need my son and my daughter to repent of their sins and come back to you and give their lives to you, God. Oh, God, we need you to supply. We need you, God. We need you. You're the only one that can do what we need, Father. You're the only one that can work the miracles that need to be worked in our lives, God. We ask it in the name of Jesus Christ, Father. Bless you, Father. Bless you, Father. Bless you, Father. You're worthy. You're worthy. You're worthy. You're worthy, God. How about taking your little nubs in those hands that you don't have fingers on and put them up and let's just say, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. We bless you, Jesus. We bless you, Jesus. You're worthy, God. You're worthy of our praise. You're worthy of the glory. You're worthy of the honor. You're worthy, God. You are almighty, God. You are almighty God. Whoo! 
Bless the Lord. God, you're so good. You're so good. You're so good to us, Father. You're so good. We, your people, declare that you are a good, good Heavenly Father. You are good, Lord. You are good, God. Oh, bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. (laughs) Whoo, you're good, Father. You're good. You're good, Father. You're good. Does anybody need prayer? You can come down here. We'll pray for you. Bless you, Father. You're so good. You're so good, Father. Oh, bless the Lord.